Hey everybody, this is Brett with the Indie Comics Dispatch. This week you get two episodes for the price of one. Okay, they both would have been free regardless, but in this episode you get two full episodes because I didn't post an episode last week, so I'm making up for it this week, and so you get an extra long bonus episode. Anyway, just listen to the episode, read the description, it's going to be fun. The two episodes you'll hear are my interview with the creators of Monochrome World. It's a great discussion, you should definitely listen to that. As well as my interview with Gerald Boney, and then the discussion on age ratings in comic books, particularly indie comic books. Great discussion, great panel of uh, creators that joined us for that one. As always, broadcast from the Dispatch's first aid live stream. You can catch us most Thursday nights on the Indie Comics Dispatch social media channels. Uh, look for us there, join us, comment, interact with the guests. You can be part of the quote-unquote live studio audience there and uh, ask your questions and get them answered live on the air. But since you are listening to this on podcast, why don't you like, rate, share, um, subscribe to the podcast, whatever platform call, your platform calls it. Why don't you do that? It helps us out. It helps get the word out about the podcast and helps us spread the love. And without any further ado, here's this week's episode of Broadcast from the Dispatch. Hey everybody, this is Brett with the Indie Comics Dispatch and broadcasting from an undisclosed location deep within the Milky Way galaxy. This is broadcast from the dispatch. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another Thursday night of broadcast from the Dispatch. I'm your host, Brett. I'm with Indie Comics Dispatch. I'm here just about every single week. Uh, tonight, we have a special guest, um, someone who I love uh, his books, um, and, and, and I'm excited to have him on. He pledged to the Kickstarter to have his own night, and so here we are. Uh, we're going to start with a one-on-one -on -one interview with Gerald Boney, and then move to a, um, a panel discussion with... Um, other indie comic fans and fanatics to talk age ratings in indie comics and just comics in general. Um, so, but before we get to all that, a couple quick announcements. One, um, I am very excited. We have launched the submission period for Tales from the Dispatch Volume 3. Um, it just started. We already have two submissions. Uh, we just opened submissions yesterday, and we already have two submissions, um, which I am just thrilled about. Um, so volume three of Tales from the Dispatch, it's our comic anthology, um, kind of trying to target um, new creators, up-and-coming creators, uh, maybe creators who are wanting to try out a different style than what they usually publish in. Um, and you can submit your, your book. It's two to 10 pages, um, complete story. And you can submit it at uh, IndieComicsDispatch.com slash anthology. You have until February 28th, 2022 to submit. So submissions just opened, but they don't close to the end of February. So if you're not like the couple of people who already submitted, um, you got time. You got time to figure out a story, work on a story, and get it submitted. Um, 
I hope that some people out there will take take advantage of that. Um, volumes one and volume two last year, you can see a little bit of them right over here. Um, they were fantastic. Tons of great stories in there. Over 100 pages total um, of content from volumes one and volume two. We're trying to do one volume this year, just a little bit larger. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what, how that goes, uh, seeing as how we already have two submissions. Um, but you can read all about it at IndieComicsDispatch.com slash anthology. Another thing we don't talk about enough um, is we do reviews and um, news releases, uh, press releases at Indie Comics Dispatch. So if you want to get the word out about your comic uh, by either submitting it for a review or um, submitting your press release about your project, you can do that. I'm going to keep the screen up because you can go here. You can go to contact us, submit, and looky there, you can submit a press release or submit a book for review right there. A couple of things about submitting a book for review. You got to take the score we give you like it just is what it is. So something that kind of different about us is that we we don't necessarily start at 100 and deduct. We kind of start by assuming every book is average, right? Every book is a 2.5. And then you either earn points for not being average or get points taken away for not being average. Um, and so it can go either way. And so if if you submit a book for review and you get a three, you get a 3.5. Don't, that's not a bad score. Some people see that because I think Amazon or whatever think that that's a bad score. But no, that's actually a good score. That's above average with the way that we rate stuff. Um, and going all the way up to 5.0, which is nearly impossible to get, really over four is really, really hard to get uh, by our standards because we really take a critical look at the ins and outs of um, how you put the comic together. We want to build a bigger, better indie comic community. And that means being honest in our critiques. So um you can submit on our website, IndieComicsDispatch.com, for a review or a press release. If you don't know what a press release is, um, it tells you all about it right there on our website. So please um, go take a look. Press releases are very helpful for you, the creator. Um, and yeah, um, gets your word out about your comics. So, um, all right. Um, that's all the announcements I have for this week. Um, so I'm going to uh, switch here and... Um, introduce our primary guest for this evening gerald gerald is a is an indie comic creator from north carolina he writes letters and self-publishes comics under his myth world media banner and his flagship character is myth smith aka the world's greatest supernatural adventurer gerald welcome hey thanks for having me man no problem. I'm, I'm excited to have you on here. I remember um, you popped in for a little bit when we did a creator pop in um, back over the summer, I think. Um, yeah, and yeah. so I've been waiting to get you back because um, I've been looking forward to talking about Mythworld and, and everything you go, got going on. So before we get into Mythworld and Mythsmith, um, tell us a little bit about um, about your origin story as a creator how how did you get started into comics uh so pretty much a lifelong thing man my um my older brother was into comics um my brother was six years older than me we shared a room growing up and my dad was uh pretty strict about no tv during the school week, uh, first it was no TV. Then we got an hour of TV. So I come in, watch like G.I. Joe and Transformers. And then you know, that was my TV. for the day. <laughs> But um, yeah, since we couldn't really watch TV, you know, 
we were big readers, uh, pretty much all of us. I'm the youngest of three. Um, so, like I said, my brother was in the comics, and that's what was there to read. Um, and I always had like an active imagination, so I was always into it. Even before I could read, you know, I can remember uh, just looking at the pictures in his books when I was real little. Couldn't even read yet. And uh, he had books from every publisher. So I'm, I'm not one of those people. You know, I don't understand people who like only read Marvel and only read DC, you know. Yeah. Marvel, DC, Harvey, which was, you know, like Casper and uh, mm-hmm. Richie Rich and all that. Yeah. Archie Books, Mad Magazine, Cracked Magazine, Crazy, which was like a bootleg Mad Magazine. Yeah. Um, there's a magazine called Creepy. He had like a couple issues of that. And, you know, he didn't get new ones all the time. So I read some of the same books over and over. Mm-hmm. And um, we both used to draw, too. So I was always drawing characters and making up characters. And uh, my friend Joe lived a couple houses over. He also was a comic head. So we had like our own little comic universe. We'd draw characters and we'd act out the adventures. And, uh, you know, as we got older, you stopped acting out the adventures. But I was still. Uh, do you? Do you stop? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> At least physically, you know. <laughs> True. It's still going on in my head. Um, so, yeah, I, I for a long time, you know, I thought I was going to draw and write. But uh, I was never really great, you know. I mean, compared to people who can't draw at all, I was good. But uh, definitely not something that would be <laughs> worthy of, you know, being in a book. I wouldn't try to sell nobody, not not draw. <laughs> so yeah, I was. Um, I was always into doing it, and um, finally started really taking it seriously. I used to dream about doing it. You know, when you're little, you, you want to work for Marvel and DC or whatever. But as I got older and started reading more books, because, um, you know, first books I was buying was from like spinner rack days. You might yeah. not, you might be too young for that, but I, no, I'm I do remember. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I used to get them from convenience stores and uh, even the grocery store carried them. Then once mm-hmm. I discovered the comic shop and you discover these different companies, you know, and um, then when I was, you know, in my late teens is when like um, Image debuted and Milestone and, you know, Dark Horse had been around for a while and Mm -hmm. other different companies, you know, so I started liking more than just the big two, quote unquote. And I started thinking about, you know, I don't want to work for them. I want to do my own thing. And then, uh, I don't know, kind of BSed about it, um, just dreamed about it more than actually, um, I mean, I would, I would always write stuff down and have character names and bios and stuff, even little sketches. But I didn't really, really start uh, taking it serious as far as actually doing it. About 2009 is when I started like commissioning art and um, saying, you know, I'm really going to do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. So when you first got into it, how, um, <laughs> hold on. Um, 
Brad says, give us Myth Gerald. Myth Smith is one of my favorite indie characters. His potential is limitless. I, I feel the same exact way. Shout um, out to Brad, man. He's like the biggest indie fan out there. He is. He <laughs> is. He's huge into it. I love it. I love it. So so let's talk about Myth World, Myth Smith and, and your other projects, Myth World. Um, and, and give us the deep dive before before I ask you more questions. So let's give let's since Brad brought it up, let's hear about Myth Smith. Okay, Miss Smith issue zero right here. Um, it's the first one that came out. Uh, he's a supernatural adventurer. He's, uh, as you can see, he doesn't really have a costume. He's just in kind of like regular clothes. But he's uh, a couple hundred years old. Um, he's basically been tasked, uh, like in my in my universe, there's this extra extra dimensional realm called next door. And that's where magic comes from. And uh, earth and next door are connected. So everything we've ever imagined exists over there. So every mythology, wives tale, whatever you want to call it, fairy tale, you know, folk tale, it's all real over there. And, you know, some of it has crossed over here. And it's Smith's job, um, not going to say how yet, you, you'll find that out eventually in the story, but it's Smith's job to uh, maintain the balance between the real world and the world of magic. And, you know, he's connected to that world. So he was kind of like born at a nexus point between both worlds. So basically he's living, breathing magic himself. But he's not a person, you know, he's not that strange. He doesn't cast spells and stuff like that. But what he can do is, um, like, when he travels over there, uh, like, if he wanted to, he could grab Excalibur and bring it back over here or use it. Hmm. And, you know, or any any weapon you can think of. He has access, access to uh, weapons and artifacts from all the different mythologies of the world. And they work for him. Basically, like when he's on Earth, they draw their power from him. Mm. So he has to uh, he has to be careful because they affect him. You know, might tire him out, might knock him out. If it's too powerful of an artifact, it could kill him. You know, so. And he has, um, for example. Some of the main one, you know, common ones he uses. It's got that flying carpet from like the, you know, from Aladdin mm -hmm. and stuff like that. He's got almost everything you see on him in this picture is an artifact. Even, mm. even that coat. Uh, he's got that infinity pouch. That's where he keeps uh, a lot of artifacts at once. His belt does something. I don't want to give everything away. <laughs> Even that, uh, even that gun is, uh, that's not like a regular, you know, it's not a regular blunderbuss. That's a magical, magical, uh, gun. I love it. That's so cool. So, so, so you have the main title, Mythsmith, and then you have another title that comes out with two stories in it. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, my other title, um, it's called Double Dose. Uh, first issue features Miss Smith. Two stories in every issue. Um, two stories by two different artists. 
with, you know, with art by two different artists. Um, and it's two complete stories. You know, it's not a continuing thing. Each issue is going to feature a different um, character or group. And, you know, I've got so many characters and stuff. So this was a way for me to uh, kind of showcase a lot of my characters, you know, just get like a quick story of them out there, not try to have like a whole huge graphic novel or ongoing series. And it also it'll, it can feature anybody, you know, that I create. So, for example, Miss has a Cyclops sidekick named Isley. So he might get an issue. You know, even though I don't plan for him to have his own series ever, but he'll have an issue of Double Dose, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, thought I'd have issue two out by now, but unfortunately things moving kind of slow on that front. But um, I wanted to share some art from issue yeah. two. I, I'm going to try to do this. I <laughs> we started getting it worked out before. Um, I was just gonna say I love I love the idea of double dose because um, that's one reason why I like anthologies. You can pick it up, read a short story, and put it down and not be left hanging. It's just it's just a complete story, and that's why I, I love the idea of double dose. I think um, more creators would be smart to think of doing something like that to keep um, fans um, engaged in between the main story. Okay, I see your screen coming up. Just um, Click on whatever you want to show, and I'll add add it to the stream. Okay. So this is kind of a indie indie dispatch exclusive. Haven't really shown uh -oh. much of her. I've shown a little bit of her online, but uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna pull up your screen. Is it ready? I can't really tell. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Doesn't want to try to click on a specific uh, specific pick. Let me see. It may be that you're only sharing the the one particular window. You may need to click on it, and then I'll remove it, and then reshare um, the the shared the sorry the opened image. Sorry. Okay. While you're talking, while, while you're doing that, I'm gonna uh, keep talking a little bit about Miss Smith. You you sent me, um, so, uh, I think issue zero, maybe issue one. I can't remember now. Um, but I think you described um, Myth Smith as um, Indiana Jones meets Ghostbusters meets Shack or not Shack Shaft. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my quick little. Um... And I, I love that description because you're reading it and you're like, yeah, that's that's it. I love little um, catchy descriptions like that. Some people don't say say like, you know, don't compare your characters to other people's characters, but comparing it to stuff people know, I love that. And it gets it just hooks you just like that. Um, I love it. Okay, I'm. This don't seem to want to do what I wanted to do. <laughs> Well, you can um, you can try sending it to me too through like a Facebook Messenger or something that's faster too, and I can try pulling it up while we keep talking. Um, 
Yeah. So yeah, I kind of describe him like that. He's um he's definitely influenced by all those. I mean, Shaft is the least one. I mean, he is kind of a ladies' man. That's kind of like the main thing. <laughs> oh, but uh, I kind of don't use that one as much now because people tend to think he's a '70s character. Ah, uh, and he, he's not. I mean, he was around in the '70s because he, you know, two hundred right, years yeah. old. But I mean, he's not meant to be like. A, I don't know. Some people seem to have thought he was supposed to be a parody. Mm. And uh, that wasn't my goal. He was also heavily influenced by um, it was a book from Milestone called Zombie. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day. Uh, it was one of my favorites from them. Yeah. And it was kind of weird and quirky. It dealt with like supernatural stuff. And yeah, that's, that was definitely uh, a big influence as well. That's um, that's one that I always wanted to see more of when it was out too, because it it, it was one of the later um, milestone books, if I remember right. Um, and then <laughs> one of the series that just didn't last that long before milestone kind of stopped producing um, the original universe, at least. Um, so yeah. So so let's while you keep doing that, let's talk about art real quick. Um, tell us about it. You said you were going to try to draw the art, um, and decided you didn't want to do that undertaking. So tell us a little bit about your artists that you use. Well, yeah, well, I used to draw as a kid. It's been a long time since I drew. So, yeah, I, I definitely wasn't going to try to draw this book. <laughs> but um, <laughs> issue zero um, was drawn by uh, a guy I frequently work with named Glenn Brewer. He's in Ohio. Um. I met him uh, on a website called uh, BlackSuperhero.com mm -hmm. years ago. It was, well, the forum was called Hero Talk, mm -hmm. and yeah, we, we've been working together ever since. I, I just uh, spoke to him a couple of days ago. We got some more stuff in the works. Uh, I mean, conceptual, just right, conceptual right now. Um, he drew issue zero. Uh, the mini that's the one you read, zero. Um, mm -hmm. issue one, and well, the whole mini is going to be drawn by uh, a fellow named Jordy Perez, a great artist, uh, somewhere in Latin America. He's um, he's got several books <laughs> going on by several people right now. But, Here we uh, go. Okay, yes. So she's going to be she's supposed to be the star of issue two. That's um, her name is Medusa Oblongata. She's um, kind of a more of a because myth really isn't your typical superhero. That's one of the reasons I went with him first. You know, he's no no costume, no secret identity, really. Um, I just want to do something different, you know, because there's 800 billion superhero books. But at the same time, you know, people love those superhero books. So uh -huh. I might be working against myself with. So <laughs> I want to want to have more than one. Um, you know, want to be diverse with your uh, output. So mm -hmm. 
you know, uh-huh. she's got the costume. She's more kind of a more traditional hero. Um, she's part of a bigger story I have. Um, she's just one part of it, but she's like the intro of that. I call it my Afrocosmic uh, saga. And um, if you want to flip to the next, mm-hmm. uh, that's the villain she'll face in, uh, in one of the stories. Um, guy named Tough Crowd. He um, he can multiply and has super strength. Um, if you go to the next one, that's mm-hmm. first time I'm sharing a full page of uh, wow. what I got in the works. And this art is by an artist named Henry Wilson. Very talented really guy. Cool. I love the style. And Medusa, um, you know, she's not from Earth. She's uh, well, she's human, but uh, her her descendants or her uh, ancestors left Earth a long time ago. Um, her her storyline is, uh, you know, it's very Jack Kirby, as far as like his uh, new gods or the, you know the fourth world. And also like Eternals uh, influenced, and I don't mean the movie influence. Uh, I just mean like, you know, because when I came, when I came up with her, they hadn't even announced uh, an Eternals movie. <laughs> <laughs> You're ahead but, of the crowd, ahead of the crowd. But uh, her people are like cosmic powered people. Um, she ends up coming to Earth and pretty much accidentally becomes a superhero, you know, because that outfit she's wearing, it's, it's like a, um, it's more, more like a ceremonial thing. But when she comes to Earth and, you know, gets in a fight with this guy, tough crowd, you know, people are like, oh, wow. You, you look at her in that outfit. Oh, man, it's a superhero. That's her superhero outfit. <laughs> I don't want to get too much away about her. But, yeah, yeah. just want to give a little uh, peek into Sneak her. Peek. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Well, so let's um let's talk about like you you've had this idea to do a a, a comic for a while. What what has surprised you the most about creating your own comic that you just weren't expecting? You know, I, I I've been trying to think of a good answer for that, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, what has been surprising about it? Um, I don't know. Maybe I was a little too naive, a little too uh, hopeful or not hopeful. What's the word I'm looking for? I guess naive is the word because, you know, I've had um, had a few artists screw me over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've commissioned and, uh, you know, they didn't finish the work. And I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> Because uh, as far as the Myths miniseries, uh, Jordy is my third artist. Um, oh, wow. The first artist, um, he didn't screw me over. It's just that uh, the art that he showed that made me hire him was different than the art. <laughs> when I saw his sequentials he did for me, I had to move on. And then the second guy, he screwed me over. He straight up stole money from me. So, yeah, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> and Jordy, you know, I shout out to Jordy. He's a 
he's been good to go. And a few other people just um I mean I've had mostly good experiences, but I've if I sit and think about all the money that I that I've had stolen from me, I you know, I might get a little pissed. So I try not yeah. to do too much. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't think about it on air. Think about it afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so so go in with your eyes open and know that not everybody's in this for um, for each other. You know, I, I like to think of the indie comic community as one that a lot not of everybody's professional. Yeah. And, you know, I hear everybody talking about contracts. So, yeah, that's mm -hmm. definitely looking to getting contracts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just because just because we're small doesn't mean you shouldn't take precautions to protect yourself. Um, yeah. Um, so so what's one piece? Well, I mean, there, there's one right there. Do you have any other advice you would give a first-time creator? Yeah. Um, I, I'd say um, think about starting off with like a one-shot. Like, you know, my first book, Myth, Myth Smith Issue Zero, mm -hmm. it's a one-and-done book. You know, you're not waiting on... Um, I mean, if you like it, you may be waiting for more, but it's not a continued story from that. Right. So don't come in trying to start off with your super epic, you know, 30 part story for your first book. I'd say probably think about a one shot, even if you're doing a, you know, even if you're not trying to do a physical book, you know, even if it's just a e, uh, you know, digital, get one done. And I'd also say, because I didn't do this myself and I, you know, I've been learning as I go, I'd say stockpile some material, you know, this is beyond the one shot thing, but before you put something out, you might want to have, like, you might be, might want to be like three issues in or something before you release that first issue. Um, like I wish I would have, <laughs> wish I would have waited a little longer instead of just jumping out. Right, because that way you have stuff to keep on putting out while new stuff's being worked on. I love yeah. that idea, actually. I mean, that's common sense, but I've never, nobody's actually ever said that on the show, so it's a great, great idea to put out there. Um, <laughs> I do want to say uh, OnyxCon um, just uh, joined in on Instagram and said, what's up, Miss Smith? Um, OnyxCon. Um, uh, Joe. <laughs> yeah, Joseph, Joseph Wheeler. Wheeler. Yep. Good guy puts on a Onyx Con here in Atlanta. Um, can't that wait. was my uh, that was my first con. Um, really, you know, I had done like free comic book day before, mm -hmm. but as far as my first official con, 2011, no, 2011 was the first time I went, but the first time I was a vendor, 2014, uh, Miss Smith issue zero <laughs> debuted at Onyx Con. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> he said yes joseph um not joe um <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> so we're here tonight um gerald because you backed the kickstarter and um and and you got to pick the topic so we started off with this brief interview getting everybody primed for for myth smith but we're about to switch to having a panel on to discuss um age ratings in comics and in indie comics in particular but age ratings in any comics um so would you put an age rating on Myth Smith? And if so, what would it be before we switch over? Uh, issue zero, I would say, is um, all ages. But his miniseries is, uh, is more mature, 
I usually say, um, yeah, treat it like a rated R movie, 17 and up. Okay. And that's another reason uh, the chick I just showed, the character, Medusa, she's all ages. So, because myth isn't, so I want to have, you know, want to have both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I'm going to uh, play a transition and then we'll get into the panel. Mostly just because I like my transitions. That's the only reason I do that. <laughs> Joining us on screen is uh, first off, Brian Lambert, regular on the show. Brian is CEO and president of Wingless Comics. Um, and Brian and I uh, unknowingly twinned. If you didn't know better, you'd think we were brothers because um, we look so similar. Um, <laughs> Brian, welcome back. You're muted, man. <laughs> Man, I just said a really funny fucking joke, too. Just FYI. I'm not going to repeat it because it's not going to be as funny now. But just think in your head, like, damn, Brian is hilarious. The funniest joke good. we could think of you just yeah. said. Got it. Yeah, Got that's it. what happened. Got it. Well, welcome, Brian. Good to have you back. Um, from Royal Oak Comics and Who's Bad Comic, we have Jamal. Jamal, welcome. Hey, it's good to be on the show. Thank you for having me. How's no everybody problem. doing? Doing good. And you have a Kickstarter right now, right? I do, I do. Uh, Conquer the Galaxy or Die Trying number one. It's uh, nine days good. left. Very good. Well, um, drop that if you can. If if you can, drop that link in the private chat, and then I will post it to the platform so people can check that out. Awesome, um, appreciate it. We'll no problem. Uh, and finally, um, another wingless comic uh, person. It just kind of worked out that way this evening. Um, Malachi Bailey. Hello, Hello Malachi, creator of her. Both the comic yes, and the novel. I'm barely. You're like a. You're like Emperor Palpatine. You're yeah. like a shadow. Kind of like the unlockable video game character. <laughs> but hey, guys, I couldn't tell Brett and Brian apart from the shirts. So exactly. Right? He's, yeah. You gotta look at the hair. That's the only difference. Yeah. yeah. Only difference. Really used to your hair being cut so short. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> I miss the locks. <laughs> Well, Gerald, let's start with you. Um, tell us why why you, why did you pick this topic? Why is this an important topic? Uh, I'm just interested in other creators' idea about it. Um, like I said, um, well, when I first you know came up with Myth, um, I, I did not see him as a all ages character. Um, I'm about to. Uh, send you something else to share. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I saw him as a, you know, like a rated R uh, book. You know, there's cussing in the book. There's gore. Potentially, uh, I mean, it's not going to be porn, but potential nudity. Why not? Um, <laughs> so... But as I as I wrote issue um, zero, I um, I don't know. I was kind of like self censoring. Mm -hmm. uh, it was my first book, um, so it it ended up being what I consider. You know, it it all depends on your perspective. But I consider it an all ages book. I mean, and when parents. Um, 
when I'm at conventions and parents, you know, ask, is it appropriate? You know, I let them look through it and I said, you know, you tell me because there is some gore in it, you know, monster. It ain't, you know, he does slash up some monsters, but he's not, uh, not chucked up any people, at least not in that issue. <laughs> um, so that was, and that was with issue zero. Now, issue one, because it's a four-issue miniseries, I went back to my original plan, but, um, you know, and I've got a few uh, handful of people who buy every book. So I was at the local convention, Fayetteville Comic Con, and there's a lady who comes every year and buys my books, and she bought issue one for her son. And, you know, I thanked her and everything, and she moved on. Then I... <laughs> After she was gone, I was like, oh, no, this is uh, I might have lost a fan with that because I didn't tell her, you know. <laughs> and um, so based on this image we're sharing, I, I can see why um, why you'd want to age rating on it. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not that bad, but I mean, you know, I, can, I imagine my my son coming here. Daddy, why does this woman have a whip? Yeah, that's a couple of a couple of myths, villains, uh, cruel and unusual, and cruel. You know, she, as you can see, she's dressed as a, you know, a uh, dominatrix, and you couldn't see unusual because she's behind her. But uh, you know, she's got four breasts. <laughs> but, I thought those were abs. <laughs> but um, so that was another reason why I came up with uh, Medusa Abangata, like I said, so I can have, um, you know, a book. So when, when someone asks, is it all ages? I'll have one that definitely is all ages. Right. Smart. Smart. Now, the the idea I, re I kind of remember um, when the idea of age ratings for for music and then eventually for TV kind of started um, popping up. Um, it's it's a newer idea, but it has evolved as comics has evolved. I remember Image being one of the first companies that um, shunned the comic code authority for good reason. Um, but um, should we rate comics by age? Is Should we put a rating on comics? Gentlemen, I'd like to hear your take. This is more than just somebody walking up to you at a con and saying, you know, should my nine year old read this? This is should we put like M for mature on the cover of comics? I personally plan to start. Um, it's more like a suggestion, you know, it's like 17 and up and then or either all ages. Those are pretty much uh, the two categories that I see myself writing in. Um, I don't have anything. Um, I mean, maybe one day it's not necessarily aimed at real little kids, because mm -hmm. when I say all ages, I mean, Marvel and DC consider themselves all ages, mm -hmm. and they can get kind of <laughs> they get gory yeah. sometimes. So, uh, like I said, it kind of depends on even that. Even when you say all ages, even that could be uh, misleading. Yeah, yeah. Jamal, what's your take? Oh, um, I, I get it. Just because of how you know some people's views, you do want to be respectful for other people's views, and I guess what they can tolerate. I could see it beneficial from a marketing standpoint. Me personally, I, I don't like it, but it's like, I just want to do what I want to do and you like it or you don't, it's cool. 
but I can see, I also want to be mindful, I guess, of other people's, uh, what they want to put into their own minds or I guess their kids' minds. So I just try to be respectful of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mal? I would have to agree with the age ratings and um, I'm not trying to be a prude because I'm probably the furthest thing away from being a prude. But um, when you think about books like um, Preacher, you know, I was told mm -hmm. at 15 years old, I should not be reading this book. And so my um, comic book uh, shop owner, he's like, I'm not going to sell this to you. I don't want to hear your mom's mouth. So of course, I found a way around it. And I ordered it. Remember those those uh, those catalogs where you could just order all those sci-fi books or whatever, and then oh, uh -huh. pay them? Yes, yeah, so I did mm -hmm. that. I never paid them. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so that's why they're not in business. OK, keep going. Basically. So when, <laughs> I, so when I ordered, you know, Preach, I think it was volume two. And I'm reading them. Okay, this is, you know, definitely grittier than I expected. Because, you know, I was so impressionable and innocent at that time. And then I got to the part where one of the um, rednecks was about to hump the chicken. I was like, now I know why he didn't want to sell this to me. So <laughs> for that reason alone, yes, we need to have, you know, some type of age rating. Brian, you got thoughts? Um, I think that... Um... Well, you know, if we're talking about indie comics specifically, I think that it might be slightly important only because, you know, I troll uh, Kickstarter probably like the rest of us do. We check it out all the time. And you have some innocuous book that's like, oh, you know, magical sorceress, you know, is also a detective or whatever. Right. So, like, if you got like a child, like a young girl, you're like, oh, shit, magical sorceress is also a detective. Like. This is but probably a dope book for her. Without, right? a, without a shirt on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The the idea, and, yeah. Right? That's what you get. Like, you go in, and even if you look at the covers, it's like, do you want the not safe for work cover or the regular cover? And you're like, damn, what? I just, I wanted some magical mystery solved, bro. Oh, um, yeah, right. So, so I think that, um, I mean, I feel like ratings aren't the end all be all. I think we're all old enough to have snuck into a rated R movie or done whatever we, you know what I mean? Like, no, easily. No, right? No, like, no, some no, of that me. stuff doesn't even matter. Liars. <laughs> Fucking liars. Um, so I feel like they're just suggestions, but it doesn't stop the creator from making whatever they want, right? It just kind of gives the audience that wouldn't... <laughs> I mean, it's kind of... I don't know, man. We're, we're kind of fooling people if we're like, oh, yeah, this is not safe for work. And you get like the church lady, like church lady buys the preacher book, right? Because its name is Preacher. And oh, she's yeah. like, oh, it's Preacher. Like, my kids are going to love this. Yeah. And then they got, you know, they have sex with chickens, right? <laughs> like, we're kind of lying to them. But if we had had that, like, you know, not safe or, you know, NC-17 or rated R or whatever, she may have thought she may have thought twice about it. And it doesn't really stop the audience that wants our stuff. But it does stop the audience from like from being like fooled or, or, or you know. Or, or missing it because there a lot of people aren't knowledgeable about comics you all of us could go into a comic book store and get exactly what we want but we're knowledgeable about comics in general a lot of people aren't and especially when you're talking about indies especially when you're talking about black indies uh it just takes on a whole different life and i again not that i'm i don't think we should rate everything and that means you can't buy it right but if there's like the rating suggestion or whatever i don't think that it hurts anything um, Joseph Wheeler on Instagram says uh, that putting a rating on it is just being responsible and great for those who it's great. The good job for those who rate their content. Sorry, making that make sense coming out um, was tough for me. Um, <laughs> so so is there 
danger though in in putting a rating on it is there drawbacks to it i remember um there was big pushback from artists um when cds first started getting an, a, a rating on them i don't know if anybody remembers that um but there was big pushback from artists so, so is there dangers to it gerald i saw you teeing up well i just remember when you said about the artists pushing back i remember that but then eventually you know it's it just became, the standard now yeah but we understand it it became um they made it push back at first but then it, it's what they wanted because that's what the kids wanted like mm -hmm. you know i mean luke <laughs> uh, luther cattle you know his stuff mm -hmm. sold better than ever once he got like a band or whatever and he made that band in the usa song and that's when he really that was like his highest selling record up to that point so i don't know if that translates to comics as far as um you know you put a 17 and up and that makes <laughs> that will make a kid run out and get it because oh, I, I think it does the same thing though i think it does the same thing of, of like it's really a marketing ploy, right? It gets, it actually targets the audience that you want. Cause if you remember the reason why I do, I, cause I remember getting in trouble for it, right? <laughs> when, when the band in the USA album came out and the stuff preceding that, it's cause you had a bunch of kids, like children. I was, I think I was only five, six at the time playing, playing Luke, right? Like we had no, and he was, that was, he still called himself like Luke Skywalker before he had gotten in real, you know, <laughs> trouble. Right. So like, we were all like, oh yeah, Luke Skywalker, you know what I mean? And, and so when you had those ratings come out, you had a whole group of people that couldn't buy the CD, obviously. Right. But uh, that actually ended up being better for people because it actually gave them their real true marketing. You didn't have, mm -hmm. you know, preteens buying this and then having their parents going and being outraged. Now the outrage comes before. I can't believe this artist did an R rated album. OK, cool. Mm -hmm. They're going to complain about it, but never buy it, never return it. All the people who are going to buy it are going to buy it regardless. The same thing for R rated movies. If you remember like, wait, what was it like Goonies? Goonies is like a rated G movie. And so is Transformers. But I remember when both of them cursed, oh man, it was like big stuff. Like the Bible Belt went nuts when when Sparky is like, oh shit, because they're about to die. And the same thing like in Goonies, right? Like when they were cussing or Stand By Me, even though Stand By Me was R-rated R, but all of us mm -hmm. somehow went to go see it. Um, <laughs> uh, but when that stuff happened, right, then you had all these parents that were flipping out about it because they thought the ratings were wrong and they didn't know. And that was at a time where you could just give kids, you know, hey, here's 20 bucks. I don't want to see you till like the light street lights come on. Um, so well, your parents we, would give you 20 bucks and tell you that. No, no, I, I just, I meant for okay. the whole group, no okay, yeah, entire you. group. No, it was like 12 of us, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Movies were 50 cent popcorn was 25. Like, come on. Bro. Uh, and we had our bikes. Well, I was going to, yeah. When you mentioned that, so I taught a, a youth group at church for a while. Um, and, and one day we had nothing going on. It was a big event at the church and we weren't going to teach Sunday school. We were just going to show a movie. And I showed back to the future. Cause I was like, this is a fun movie. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not, not a fun for movie church. for, yeah, not for church. <laughs> not I was watching church. going, Oh my God. Like, <laughs> and then I checked the radio. I'm like eighties ratings meant something different than today's ratings. And so, yeah. yeah. So I guess that gets into into it, like how you can put an age on it, but some mama may still come up and yell at you at a con because her her 16 year old doesn't know genitalia exists, you know, or, or whatever. She Painful. thinks they don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, so what content should kind of be labeled as not for kids or, or under a certain age? Like, I don't know. 
I don't know that I should, as a creator, I don't know that I would feel comfortable assigning that, you know? There is one group, there is one publishing entity that I will not name. <laughs> you already know who I am thinking about. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they need uh, to have a big, big. I wonder, do they have a magical sorceress detective solving mysteries with their shirts off half no the time? Shirt. It's breath <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> no shade. All shade. All shade. On the tree belly. No, I, you know what? Honestly, I think it's a little bit of common sense, right? Like, um, especially when you're talking about like comic gore, uh, mm-hmm. because you do have something like DC that'll say that their stuff is all ages, and then Superman will, well, Superman won't punch somebody's face off, but you know what I mean, like Black wow. Adam will. You know what I mean? Right. So I, um, so I think that there's, uh, I don't know. I just think you got to be wise, but I also don't think that, um, it should be something that puts you in a like, um, in a controlled harsh box. Right. The overall content can be spawn. Right. So that's like, you know, rated R, let's say. OK, cool. No big deal. Everybody agrees with that. And, it, you know, it's just kind of common and we all know it. Um, I do think that when you do have a lot of, of nudity, depending on the type or, you know, what I mean, like explicit nudity, which is different in, in certain cases. You got a lot of explicit nudity. Why not say that? You know what I mean? Because, again, right. because that is one of those like a, so, a societal norm where it's like, OK, if people have a bunch of nudity, we let people know if there is like a bunch of gratuitous killing there. You know what I mean? Because you can have a, a movie like um, The Expendables 2. Right. They took mm-hmm. down the, the gore, not the gore, but they took down how many people bleed. All the people that get shot, you know, it's like a, a a puff of smoke comes out instead of blood, right? So then that changes the dynamic of the action and of the the you know the death or the killing, um, which I think could be the same in comics. If you're not explicitly showing somebody getting disemboweled, then why do you need to say it's not safe for work? It's pretty normal. Um, but again, I think following societal norms, comics should do the same for a, for a long time with the Comics Code Authority. Like it was whack because it was like too corny. It was too much on one side. So I think that that pendulum is slung the other way. We've had the dark times, whatever. But if we follow social norms, again, I don't think that it hurts us at all as creators. Well, that, that's what I was going to get to, too, about the Commons Code Authority. Uh, are are we swinging back towards that, that kind of too much control? I mean, we're all indie, right? So mm-hmm. there, there's really no danger of a Comic Code Authority coming down on us anymore. But there is there is peer pressure there is industry pressure is there danger um gerald i'd love to hear you in the on this is there danger in that pendulum swinging too far back um i mean can it go back because i mean who can tell us what to do as far as indies yeah i don't know that's why i decided it wanted to I don't know, pulling OnlyFans and just said, hey, that's right. clean, clean content. That's huh? true. There are capitalistic pressures that could happen to kind of force it, like like you I said. I hope not, but yeah. Yeah, that's... Um... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. Somebody, <laughs> somebody else. I got to think on it. <laughs> Jamal, Pandora's box, bro. It's that? it's open, Brett. The Pandora's box is open. You can't close it. And it's how do you how do you tell people 
especially in this society with racism is as prolific as it is at this point, um, especially when you're talking about on social media, um, people fighting for their, you know, this is my, you know, First Amendment right to say whatever I say and blah, 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 blah. Now we're part of the media. If we're, you know what I mean? Like if we're actually publishing this stuff, how do you tell them no? You know, you I, I don't believe that there's a, a part where you can you can't go back and, and fit it in a box. Also, storytelling. Right. No one wants to as much as I love, uh, you know, Batman, Superman comics. I like Jeff Johns writing on them. Nobody wants to see the Batman composite, you know, Batman, Superman composite robot. Nobody wants to see that corny shit anymore. Right. So you've got to have a, a little bit of realism to it. So if you get realism, then you're going to get some things that are a little bit harder hitting. Um, and that's just kind of how it is. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing that can be done about it or nothing should be done about it. Sure. I want to welcome Quentin real quick. I, I was hoping Quentin could pop in for a few minutes because though it doesn't fit in the Google schema of how we post reviews, if you follow Quentin on social media, you will see on every book he rates, he gives it a rating as if it were a movie. And that comes from a story specifically, Quentin, doesn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> Tell us the story. <laughs> um, you, know, you know, similar to you, where, you know, being a, a, you know, a, you know, a youth group minister, um, my church did a trunk or treat thing and I was handing out comic books and I had parents coming back at me, you know, you know, Batman, you know, having interaction, you know, with, with prostitutes, there's cocaine in this book. How can you be handing this out to kids? I want that. You know, so after that, you know, that, and I had a buddy that would, you know, came up to me going, I'm trying to figure out something good for kids to read. I need your help. So after that, I started making it a point. Everything I wrote about would be a, Hey, would I let my kids read this, you know, you know, and, you know, it, and, you know, rather than going based on a basis of, okay, for my kids, because my kids are different from our other kids, you know, my 10 year old loves stranger things. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I started going, okay, if this were, if, if it were a movie, I'd say it would be rated, you know, fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know, Quentin's one of our, I mean, I call him Mark our head reviewer because he's the most prolific reviewer at um, Indie Comics Dispatch. And so um, he reviews a ton of books for us, a ton. And so he has a good idea of what kind of goes into some of those ratings. Um, yeah, sorry, I, I haven't gotten as many done lately. Well, I was going to talk to you about that, Quentin. No. By my standards, I, you know, the last couple months, I've been you know, nowhere near where I should be. Yep. Well, by my standards, you're still doing great. Um, so, so ratings, uh, Quentin, what do you come across that you would say should not be rated as, as for kids? Um, anything, you know, if, you know, if, you know, if I'm going through it, if I come across cussing at all, it's instantly at least a PG 13, you know, know, because if there's, you know, if there's a shit bitch, anything like that, you know, you know, at that, you know, well, great! You just gave us an oh, E rating. I love that. <laughs> Putting that in my <laughs> next book, <laughs> right? Well, you know, that's why I would, at the beginning of my show, it's always, hey, you know, it, you know, you know, parent parental guidance is suggested, so guide your parents the hell out of the room so we can have some fun. <laughs> but, um, but you know, you know, if if an F bomb comes in, if it's if it happens one time, I just you know like the movie code. If you know PG thirteen, if it's multiple, it's you know R or above. You know, and then on top of that, um, you know, it, you know, kind of like what you know, I, what I came in on where you guys were talking about, it, you know, how much gore is there? You know, if there's a lot of gore, that might that'll ratchet the rating up a little bit. Do I see the potential for later in the series? There's going to be gore. That'll ratchet the rating up a little bit. 
um, you know, well, yeah. speaking of gore, so so this is this is interesting. Dan Schmidt, um, uh, Worms Crawling. If you don't have that book, buy that book. It's a wonderful book. Um, um, thoughts on the acceptance of violent gore because that's much more accepted in our society versus nudity slash sexual content, um, which is kind of frowned upon. Um, at least, um, yeah, seemingly um, in in the large circle of people. Um, so, thoughts on that? Why why do we accept violent score and rate that lower than we would nudity? Um, I think honestly that goes back to when you know when you know when the white man came across the ocean. The you know you know we're talking you know, the Puritans, a group of people so uptight the English kicked them out. <laughs> <laughs> you know so and. You know, one of the one of the great you know, one of the American classics, Scarlet Letter, was about a woman that had an affair. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and it's been you know, the you know, and it, you know, all throughout history, the Salem witch trials, mm-hmm. because men were having impure thoughts about these women, so you know, certain women in the villa, in the area, so the the, the wives of the men were you know, basically starting up stories. Mm-hmm. You know, it all it all comes back it comes back to their view on sex. Mm-hmm. Anybody else have thoughts to add to that? I totally agree with that. Like, I remember my college dorm, we we're playing Tekken 3 or whatever. And my, my roommate's just complaining about how the girls are dressed. Meanwhile, he's pile driving, pile driving somebody's head into concrete. Oh, in okay. game, but that's okay. But yeah, it's like, you know, it's the history of violence that, you know, comes with this country. And, you know, it's just a lot of undertones and a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. that it exists and it's just acceptable here personally. well and and even um i'm thinking like uh you know there's a certain level of tolerance for heteronormative um sexuality but then you break out of that and all of a sudden it's it's from the devil you know like it's just completely mm-hmm. off board um so i mean any thoughts on that anybody too i mean it's just i think nick quinton hit the nail on the head with the puritanical culture somehow we inherited views from the puritans of all people um and anybody else have thoughts on that uh, i think it, it has to do a lot with obviously with the historical context that you put it in but violence is always something that's been done outwardly and sexuality is always something that's been done inwardly like if you think about again societal norms right like there were duels you know there's wars there's there's always like a force of action force is like the thing that's made everything happen historically speaking right like some the force or the threat of force um sexuality on the other hand and again again it goes to the puritans it goes to um colonialism in general uh the proliferation of christianity on and on and on where sexuality of um, of almost any form right is supposed to be behind closed doors this secretive you know quiet hush hush thing uh and and so when you have i mean you have passages in the bible and it's like yo if your woman has done such and such then burn all her clothes burn the tent you were in don't ever talk about it but then like the next sentence is like hey go hey if you're not an israelite go out and kill everybody that's not an israelite and like burn their cows and burn their crops and we're good right so it's always been this like lesser than greater than thing Mm -hmm. but it also stems the tide of i think that there's a big difference between violence slash violence and then gore and then nudity and then sexuality, because I think that they kind of play off each other, right? Like you can have um, like violence, right? And then you can have sexuality. No one really kind of bats an eye. I mean, it's on TV now. Like I've, I went through the 80s TV to like where you have TV now. Then you go 
gore and then sexual content, like actual nudity, right? Like, um, what was it? Robocop got an NC-17, not for nudity, but for gore. It was the first movie ever to get that. But that's because the uncut version is ridiculous. But look how far they had to go to get that. Whereas um, Basic Instinct got an NC-17 for the uncut version, which was super tame compared to what we have on TV now. Um, so yeah. I think that that again, violence and gore are different, and sexuality and nudity are are different, and they got their own hierarchical hierarchical Jesus structure uh, within media. <laughs> I don't think it's a Jesus structure, but that's okay. <laughs> Jesus is in all structures, sir. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I'd like to follow up there. You know, Brian was talking about you know sex is so hush hush. If it's hush hush, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> and I also want to add to that as well. Um, there is um, a lot of shaming when it comes to sexuality. And Very true. to the point where people take, um, they have power when it comes to being sexually assertive or just being a sexual being. And that's shame that's looked down upon because the oppressor is not a control. Now, when you're perpetrating violence, when you're attacking someone, you know, you're this big macho guy and you know, you're having like these bloody fisticuffs, you know, that puts you in a position of power. But with other people who are enjoying sex or they want to show off a little cleavage or or nuttage or whatever you want to call it, you know, people, <laughs> you know, they're uncomfortable. All of a sudden it's like, hey, you can't do that. And it's like, well, if it's my body and I'm going to, you know, consent an adult, it's none of your business. But this country, this society has always been in everyone else's business but their own. So... My two cents. I love that. I feel like we could do a whole show on how culture affects um, what we write and what we find acceptable. Um, okay. Putting it down on the list. Um, so, final question for tonight, because we are over an hour now. Um, um, ultimately, and th this could be divisive. I don't know. Is it the creator's job to label the content, or is it a parent's job to know what content their children are consuming? Um, I'd say both. Um, I mean, it's the creator's job to decide if he wants to, he or she wants to label it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not a parent, but I, I mean, you should. I mean, I would think you'd want to know what they're reading, um, even if it is labeled. Mm -hmm. uh, so... So, so as a parent too, like I know, like my son's playing Xbox right over there. He's going to hear this and be like, "Dad," um, but like <laughs> putting a label on it would probably make him want to read the higher level than what he's he's should, you know. And so I I think there's temptation that way too. But sorry, I interrupted my own question because um, that just popped into my head. Um, so so is it a creator's job? Is it a parent's job? Is it some sort of marriage between the both? Um, for for me, I think it's a little bit of both, but more, you know, you know, it's a parent's job to hey, know what your kids are reading, and you know, but taking a, a step further back, know your kids. Yeah. Okay, you know, case in point, my ten year old, I let him watch Stranger Things. You know, and if the person, if they're with the way my, uh, my the personality for my seven year old is, if he carries on being the same way he is at ten, he won't be ready for Stranger Things. Mm -hmm. you know you know but um you know the you know the big thing is if it's you know 
for anything that's you know, more the more illicit content. If it's not being marketed at kids, I have no problem with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Any final words here? Right. I want to say, go ahead. <laughs> go All ahead, right. Jamal. Yeah, I, I, I want to say the onus is, is on the parents because essentially you're the one with the problem. So you should be the one ahead of your problem. But at the same time, you know, I do want to be respectful of others and not have somebody, you know, yakking away at me. So I, I feel like in my best interest, it's best to list that, hey, this has bad language, this has violence, this has sex, you know, and then you you have been warned that it has this. But also like like um, Quentin said, you know, the parental advisor label, like I didn't want a CD that didn't have that when I was in high school. So it's just like, you know, it, it does gravitate, you know, kids to want mm-hmm. what's forbidden. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a it's a very nuanced thing. But yeah, I do think it's mostly on the parents. Um, Brad added, my folks wouldn't let me get the Vampirella magazine when I was young. I don't I think mine would have allowed me to get that either, Brad. Um, I get everything Vampirella that I can get my hands on now. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of Vampirella out there. Um, as we wrap up here, um, Gerald, tell everybody where they can find you, how they can support you and, and Myth Smith and get, get the books. Uh, MythWorldMedia.com. Uh, there's an E at the end of world. So M-Y-T-H-W-O-R-L-D-E, media.com. Uh, yeah, that's where you can get my books. Got posters and T-shirts as well. And that's my everywhere social media is either Myth World with the E or Myth World Media. That's awesome. That's awesome. Go follow Gerald. He's got some great books out there. Um, Brian and Malachi from Wingless Comics. You can find them at Wingless Comics um, and um, Wingless winglessent.com online. Um, but I hear that that website's going to be going through a transition soon is what I've heard. Um, I think so. So um, since real quick, I'm going to interrupt Brad because yeah. he, he definitely skipped me because I want to say some stuff. You really uh, did, Brad. But all right. right. You heard that both of yeah, us actually, was, so you know, well, that's cool. I that's thought there cool. was an inside thing going on there that it I wasn't. wasn't. No, Immortalis <laughs> has been delayed till 2023. Thank <laughs> you very much, guys, for that. shit. Um, no, so, um, I think that uh, responsibility and fault, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, if a parent gets something that they didn't want for their child, it's their fault because they should have at least fucking read it. You know what I mean? They should at least flip through it some or ask you about it, right? At least say, hey, man, is it? you think this would be cool for my seven-year-old? Don't just buy it. Ask me. Especially if we're talking about in-person cons, we're talking to people, whatever else. So there's so if they get something for their child that they didn't want, that, that that's their fault. Um, I do think that on the other end, though, there is a responsibility, right? And that goes in for me into social contracts. We used to have a, a fairly high number of social contracts. A lot of those have kind of kind of withered away uh, with time, which I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but the social contract aspect of it, of us saying like, hey, before the lady, the old lady goes and buys the book, like, hey, you know, I got some blood and guts and stuff in here, right? Are you good with that? Um, so that she's not not caught unaware, right? Um, I think that in, 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 I had, at my very first con, I had a lady come up and I could tell she was a church going lady. My whole family is like Southern Baptist. So like, it was like immediate, like she jumped out at me like, oh, this is, here comes a Southern Baptist lady, right? My character has wings on it, blah, 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 blah. So she of course comes up. 
but I'm not stupid. I know Southern Baptist like people. So I tell her what the comic is. And her face went from like <gasps> to real hard, real quick. And she gave her, she, it was like her little like nephew or her grandchild. I can't remember. And she was like, oh yeah, yeah, we'll come back and get it. I knew she wasn't coming back to get it, yeah. but that's why I told her about it, right? Because yeah. if she had gotten it, she would have been pissed. Mm -hmm. So as much as it is a parent's job to know their child, know the content, all those other things, again, I think there's like a social responsibility for us to be able to say like, mm, not saying this might, might not be for whoever it is, but be you know honest with ourselves and with our product enough to say, hey, this is what the product is, right? Because the product should stand on its own anyway. It shouldn't, I don't want anybody buying it on accident. And being like, this ain't what I wanted, you know, ultimately, even if they say it in their room and they never bring it back to me, I want whoever buys my content to be invested in my content. Um, and the only way you can do that is by being honest with your content. Mm -hmm. Now you had something to add. Oh, yeah, I, I did. So now I'm thinking, like, if my mom had stopped me 25 years ago when it came to that preacher comic book, maybe I would have turned out differently. So right now. Nope. I mean, Wrong. Danielle Steele at 13. I mean, I was on a path. Star. <laughs> Thank you for adding that um, insight yeah, to the yeah. conversation, Malachi. I appreciate that. <laughs> Guys, thank you for being here this evening. Thank you all for contributing to this conversation. Uh, Brad Arney said he ordered a, uh, a, a, a shirt. What did he say? What did he say? What did he say again? My mouth is not working today. <laughs> Who, whose idea was it to start a podcast? Um, right. um, he Brad Arney ordered a shirt tonight, Gerald. Um, so we got you at least one sale from Brad. Um, also, if you're out there watching this on social media, um, I dropped um, the Royal House Comics uh, Kickstarter in the in the in the comments section. Conquer the Galaxy or Die Trying looks amazing. Number one on Kickstarter now. It's got um, well, Kickstarter well. says eight more days, but I don't know. Yeah. Kickstarter time. So um, yeah. uh, Royal Oak Comics. Shout out to Royal House. You guys are awesome. But uh, I'm Royal Oak. We're, oh shit! Sorry. <laughs> no, worries. all good. And before I screw anything else up, um, <laughs> we'll include the correct, uh, correct link in the show notes for the podcast too. If you're listening to this podcast, check the show notes for both Gerald's uh, web address, um, the Royal Oak Comics uh, Kickstarter address, and I'll throw winglessend.com in there too, just because I'm a nice guy. Um, <laughs> guys, thanks for joining us this evening. Next week, um, we have another episode. Um, and I do this every week. I don't have the schedule up. Uh, next week, Ben Ben O'Grady, I believe, is our guest. Um, and he will be leading us in a conversation of... I don't know. Um, <laughs> You're probably going to cut uh, him off, too. So it doesn't matter, bro. Don't worry. I'm sorry. Were you saying something? Fine. I'm sorry. What? Um, <laughs> where the indie comic industry... Where the comic industry is heading with Ben O'Grady. And uh, maybe maybe a special guest also on that, that evening too um guys thank you for joining us everybody out there watching thanks for joining us uh, if you're out there listening to the podcast thank you our podcast is growing and you guys are awesome for for sharing it and 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 liking it and rating it um all those things help it grow so if you're out there listening you're a new listener hey go ahead and like rate share um it helps us out everybody out there we'll see you next week Why are you still listening? It's the end of the podcast. But since you listened to the whole thing, since you're still here at the end, as this podcast ends, as you exit out of the episode, why don't you give us a rating? And if you're not following or subscribing to us yet, 
go ahead and do that too. As I said at the beginning of the show, it helps a lot and you'll be doing the dispatch a big favor.